Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you today on this beautiful day? As you know, if you've been listening to the past episodes of this podcast, that I love every day and see every day as beautiful, even when it doesn't start out great. If the weather's not so great, you can choose to see the day as beautiful, even if the first half of the day, let's say, started out kind of grumpy, kind of not going your flow. Take a minute to pause, take a breath to pause, and then just choose. You know what? Today is a beautiful day. And watch what unfolds. What we focus on, we create more of. And this is something that I have been finding myself saying a lot in the past several weeks. Um, for various reasons, which I may get into later on in this episode. But like I start all episodes, I'd like to open with a poem by Hafez. And this is um, called Dividing God. And for those of you that would like to see these poems that I read, I'm reading from a book called The Gift, which is uh, translated by Daniel Ladinsky. Dividing God. The moon starts singing when everyone is asleep and the planets throw a bright robe around their shoulders and whirl up close to her side. Once I asked the moon, why do you and your sweet friends not perform so romantically like that to a larger crowd? And the whole sky chorus resounded, the admission price to hear the lofty minstrels speak of love is affordable only to those who have not exhausted themselves dividing God all day and thus need rest. The thrilled tavern fiddlers who are perched on the roof do not want their notes to intrude upon the ears where an accountant lives with a sharp pencil, keeping score of words another in their great sorrow or sad anger may have once said to you. Hafez knows the sun will stand as your best man and whistle when you have found the courage to marry forgiveness, when you have found the courage to marry love. Hmm. And so as of this recording, um, the full moon was out earlier this week, uh, Monday night, Monday morning. I don't remember the exact time, but the power of the moon is, is the full moon is definitely felt. And um, what I love about this poem is this scene of the planets and the moon getting together and having their own private concert of celestial voices and how this goes on while we're sleeping. And for me, that's just such a lovely image to think that we have these energies watching over us while we rest. But it also brings up the um, idea of how we human beings like to divide things, um, to divide our attention, to do all these 
little busybody things that we do in our material world. Um, and Hafez is just inviting us to find the courage to stop doing all these little things, all these actions that really distract us from being present, from being in our bodies, from being in ourselves. And to stop that, to find the courage to get quiet with ourselves so that we can find the love within ourselves, to find the courage, as he says, to marry love. And so I invite you to just consider that as you move through the day. Where are you holding your attention? Is it focused on what it needs to be focused on? Or are you thinking about five other different things? Because I will admit the last, um, the last week I've been feeling divided, you know, in terms of my energy, in terms of attention, you know, my mind is elsewhere while I'm having a conversation with somebody. Um, I'm not being as present as I have been. Um, and I think upon reflection, there's just a lot of things going on for me um, in relationship to shifting energies, transitions, um, all sorts of things. And so I'd like to see if we all can take some time to focus on one thing in our lives that we want to see more of. Um, You know, I can't not talk about what's going on in the media out there today um, with health concerns, with information being shared by the media. Often it's selective information. Um, And there's this interesting conversation, not really like direct conversation, but this, this conversation of media, various media, where one is creating fear and the other is like, well, don't panic, don't fear, just practice good hygiene. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I keep this mantra of the more, you know, what we focus on, we create more of. So I'm interested in, for myself, creating more peace, creating more love. And so I'm trying to focus on that. But the media, the mainstream media, the corporate media, um, tends to focus on fear. And so what's happening, what I'm noticing is that as there's more focus on fear, then the fear begins to grow. So if we focus on love, then the love can grow. If we focus on peace and care for each other, then that sentiment of peace and this, this urge to care for other people, for each other, will also begin to grow. So remember that you have a choice in how you interact with all the things in your life, all the things in the world. And so what will you choose to grow more of? Um, I was also thinking about self-trust. This is something that comes up a lot for me. And I think I suspect it, it comes a lot, comes up a lot for other people, but most people don't understand this idea of self-trust. It's this idea of, you know, things are not in my control. I'm going to panic about it. And, you know, I need someone to do it for me or I need someone to show me how to do X, Y, Z. Um, And often we forget that we are capable people. We are capable human beings who can figure out what we need to figure out. And if we don't know certain things, we can figure out how to get 
the information we need. We can ask people. We can ask the right people. We can look to teachers, mentors. Um, but we are equipped. And often we forget that. We look outside of ourselves to find the solution or the answer or the ways towards those answers. When often we just need to get quiet and look within ourselves. Um, I'll be honest with you that, you know, I've been struggling this past week with um, some issues of identity. I don't want to talk about it as a crisis because it's not really a crisis. It's more of an identity evolvement, evolution. That's the word, identity evolution. And um, as we change and grow, old patterns start to fall away. Old beliefs start to fall away. Old ideas, they fall away so that they can make room for the new things that are coming into your life. New behaviors, new outlooks on life. We can't jam it all in. You know, there's only so much, so much space for ideas, for beliefs. Um, and so in order to change and to evolve, we need to shed the old patterns because they don't serve us anymore. They don't help us grow. And um, it's kind of like, I don't know if this is a really good analogy, but this just popped into my head. It's kind of like a water filter, right? The water filter will filter your water of all the things you don't need. But then after time, you need to change it, you know, because its effectiveness starts to, to diminish where then it's not even filtering. It's just water passing through and the water you put in is the same water that's coming out. And so we need to change the filter. Um, so we need to let go of that old filter, which could be seen as our old beliefs and put in a new one. Um, and that's how I like to think about what happens with, with evolving identities. And so what's happening for me is, you know, I'm, I'm a poet and, uh, an essayist. Um, I also teach, um, at the undergraduate level. I also teach yoga and meditation, um, and so these roles that I play are starting to shift and change and evolve into other things that are not familiar to me. You know, for example, I'm not, not a poet, um, but the kind of poet and how I embody that particular role is evolving. Um, and I noticed that this past week I went to a conference um, in San Antonio, and some of you listening might know which conference I'm talking about. And, um, it's a, it's kind of, it's a networking conference. I mean, there, there are panel discussions that, um, are opportunities to hear people share their work. There are sessions in which people exchange ideas. Um, and then there are sessions that offer some pedagogy, some, some teaching strategies. Um, and, and it's mostly for writers, um, editors, publishers, you know, people in the literary world. And, and beyond. Um, but I was thinking about how I used to interact in these conferences. Uh, it was really a networking approach. You know, I'd go and I see my friends, but also I would talk to editors or talk to presses and check out new journals I might want to submit my work to. Um, you know, I attend some panels. I, I did the quote unquote right professional thing. And this year was a little bit different. Um, 
This year was an interesting conference um, for various reasons. One of the reasons being that uh, there was a big drop-off rate where a lot of people decided to stay home. Um, And so it was much smaller than it had been in past years. And what I found myself doing, and maybe the size had something to do with it, I'm not sure, but I was having more engaged conversations with people I knew and people I met. And it wasn't just the five minute, hey, what's up? Here's my spiel. This is the kind of work I write. Tell me about your journal. It wasn't that kind of conversation. It was really like deep, meaningful, I'm a person, I'm a spirit soul talking to you as a spirit soul in a human body kind of conversation, um, which was really refreshing for me. And so I started wondering about that. And then, you know, physically I was feeling a little uncomfortable, like what's happening? You know, why do I care less about, you know, how many business cards I took home or how much swag I took home? Because I really didn't care. Um, It was more the conversations that I had that were really great. Um, One conversation I had, I was able to connect with somebody um, from my cohort in grad school, and I don't think I'd seen her since we graduated, which is really wild. I mean, we, we've connected, reconnected over social media, but in terms of seeing each other live, in person, you know, in real life, it probably has been, uh, you know, over 20 years. And um, it was really good just to talk to her about our work and our different practices, but also to talk about, you know, like family life and, and like real human stuff. And it was so refreshing. And she actually made a point um, about this when we talked a second time. So we had a really good long conversation on the Friday. And then Saturday, I saw her again. And we had another really good conversation talking about manuscripts and stuff. And it was, it was really good. And it wasn't even a planned, you know, let's have lunch and talk about stuff thing. It was just I was roaming the book fair, and I saw her and we just got into a real conversation. And that was so much more meaningful than, you know, someone touching base about, oh, this is our aesthetic for our literary journal, or this is the, you know, newest book by so-and-so. Don't get me wrong, though. I did pick up some books, some really amazing books, um, one of which I'll read from later on uh, in this episode. But as I move through these conversations, and she's not the only one I talk with. I talk with a few other folks at at length. Um, I started to notice in my body that I really didn't want to be there in that space, in that networky energy. Um, and so I, I got curious about it, you know, asking myself, what does this mean? When I got home, I was really exhausted, but I'm wondering like, what does this mean for me as a poet, you know, as my identity? Um, is this an identity that is feeling like it wants to get released, you know? Um, and as I'm speaking and as I've meditated on the past few days, uh, you know, the answer is coming through is yes, this version of poet that used to go to this conference, this, this identity of poet wants to get released because it's an old pattern. It's an old habit. It's no longer serving my growth. And so I'm curious about what new version of poet will come in. 
Um, so yeah, I wanted to, to, to talk a little bit about that, but then also to talk about self-trust and to think about how as we move through transitions, as we move through changes, because change is the only thing that is guaranteed in this life, right? Can we trust ourselves to have our own back? You know, can we trust ourselves to hold ourselves as we move through transition? Often when we go through changes, um, big changes and things, we, we look to our close friends, we look to family, you know, to support us and to be there for us. And that's really great. It really is. And it's important. But the other question is, do you have your own back? Do you have enough self-trust that you know you got this? that you can move through this, that you have the tools, that you are equipped, you have the knowledge to get yourself in a place of growth, in a, pa- in a place of evolution. Um, and if you don't have those tools, you know, let's say, you know, there's something going on and you're like, I think I know what this is, but I'm not 100% sure. Let's try it and then you try it and you and you think, oh, I need a little more information. Can you trust yourself to find that information? Now, of course, there's this there's this you know need for discernment, right? Where you might look for information as an excuse to not listen to yourself, to not have self trust, and then that's sort of when you need to hone in on your intuition. And say, all right, am I looking for this information because I need a little more guidance? Or am I looking for this information because I don't trust what my gut is telling me? I don't trust my intuition. I don't trust that I can pull through this without someone else showing me the way. Um, It takes practice, though. But these are important questions to consider. These are questions that are useful in helping you evolve. And so in thinking about self-trust, in thinking about transitions and change, in thinking about letting go of identities that no longer serve us in order to make room for new ones, uh, I would like to read this poem. Uh, This poem is, uh, is from a book called Bodega. And the poet's name is Su Huang. Uh, she was born in uh, Seoul, Korea, and grew up in New York, uh, lived in the Bay Area for a little bit, and now lives in the Midwest. Um, she wrote this book called Bodega, which is amazing. I haven't read all of it yet, but I have this poem I'd like to share with you, which I think really just encapsulates this idea of poetry as a portal into the spiritual plane, into spirituality, into accessing our divine selves, um, which is the you know main focus of this, this podcast. Uh, so this is called Graveyard Shift. Alchemy at the indecent hour. Nothing is what it seems. By the by, matchbooks from nameless dives emerge as diminutive epiphanies. Cat calls, customary in a city that never sleeps, desires braid fury. 
Each flint is a key to a would-be flame. Flourish of smoke escapes like ribbons pirouetting. Gilded by vanities of youth, when sleep seems vulgar, ego flirts with inevitability, the underbelly. Horror, a carnival mirror, marbled human distortions. Instead, imbibe the medicine that we are divine beings worthy of serendipity. Peace at the very least. Jesus, Buddha, Allah, Shiva, Gaia, magical bloom, etc. We pray to the same source, the cosmic undertow. Knowing, they say, is half the battle. But when will we practice what we preach? Leave it to us to fashion diurnal disasters. Matter of fact, nothing here is solid. Not our rickety bones, nor our mortgaged homes. Oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon. We are the stuff of magma, star seeds. Perhaps in sleep, we can render ourselves sacred. Quell the notion that some are destined to suffer while others revel in riches. Remember, abundance is found within. Some call it a kind of verisimilitude to subsist without pleasure. Simple pat on the shoulder or a half-hearted embrace when the body rings electric. To know the depths of loneliness, rub two sticks together at the bottom of a murky basin for a spark that may never happen. Unearth the map of storied constellations. Vibe the unknown. Wager that fear is not our common dialect. Xenophobic tendencies only yield calamity. Yellow, black, brown, indigo, crystal, rainbow. Such majestic frequencies. Zoom further out to commune with the moon before heralding our extinction. Hmm. There's the moon again. And so I leave you with that poem. I leave you with the energy of the full moon this week. May it work to guide you with a clear heart. May these poems offer an opening into your deepest self. And until next time, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. Often, we find ourselves stuck, running on autopilot, knowing we were meant for more than what we've been doing, but not knowing what else to do, or even where to begin. This retreat is a good starting point to listen for what you're meant to do in this world. On August 5th to the 9th, in the serene setting of wine country in Sonoma County, California, I will lead you through a sacred space to get quiet and reconnect with yourself, where you can tune in to your intuitive voice where the sun can nourish your soul and the earth grounds you into your body. This is an opportunity to realign with your true life's purpose, to remember who you are, to come home to yourself. Visit suryagyan.com for more information. Live your best life now.